Is your child struggling with a specific subject or need help with homework? Are they asking questions that you're not sure you can fully answer? IXL Learning is an online learning program for kids. It covers math, language arts, science, and social studies. IXL is designed. This program will improve your kids' grades. Studies done in almost every state in the country. The kids who had IXL are consistently doing better. Powered by advanced algorithms, IXL gives the right help to each kid no matter the age or personality. And it doesn't have to eat up all your time. One subscription gets you everything for all the kids in your home, pre-K to 12th grade. So don't miss out. One in four students in the U.S. are learning with IXL. IXL is used in 95 of the top 100 school districts in the U.S. Make an impact on your child's learning. Get IXL now. And listeners can get an exclusive 20% off IXL membership when they sign up today at IXL.com audio. Visit IXL.com audio to get the most effective learning program out there at the best price. Welcome back to this special episode of Comic Book Nation, the official podcast of comicbook.com. I am your host, Kofi Outlaw. And today we are here for a special occasion. And I got my host with me, Matt Aguilar, Janelle Wheeler. You guys are here too. Yes, very excited. <laughs> wow. I, you are glowing, by the way. Thank you. Kofi. Thank you. Uh, it's Absolutely because glowing. it's a special day. It's a special occasion. We are here to talk about the release of Zack Snyder's Justice League aka the snyder cut and we're talking full spoilers today we are breaking down everything about this movie we're going to talk about the road to get here everything about like just everything going on with this movie what we saw and what we think the future of the dc films universe looks like so that's all we're doing today it's a really simple show it's going to be fun it's kind of a victory lap for me as a snyder stan i gotta give that caveat again this is hosted by a snyder stan these two are more level-headed uh, me, I'm a Snyder stand, but to balance things out, I decided we got to bring on another major Snyder stand to kind of have my back on this one. And so I brought a old friend of mine in and that is from ScreenRant.com, Mr. Andrew Dice. Yay. Welcome. Thank What's you. Up, Dice? Thank you for having me. Oh, oh, no problem. Like I said, I needed real help to have my back on this one and you, <laughs> For anybody who doesn't know, like, uh, you know, I always joke on this podcast about things I'm contractually not legally allowed to say, but uh, I can, for a brief moment, drop the window. Yeah, I was one of the uh, top people kind of uh, building ScreenRant.com back in the day, like a long decade ago or something like that. And uh, one of our freshest recruits, like our first great hires was this kid named Andrew Dice, who came from the uh, ice rinks of Ontario with a lot of... uh, fanboy love in his heart particularly for the dc side of things and me and dice have been riding on this Zack snyder train since the very beginning uh you were on our official man of steel review podcast with me and you and i stood tall together you you know i've kind of moved over to comic books so we weren't there together for batman superman but i was watching this man was a dedicated kind of fan of that movie as well he even as you can see in his studio started his own podcast batman v superman is it by the minute right yeah i have a theme going on here yeah yeah so you literally took that film minute by minute in a podcast it's it it seemed an outrageous journey but in a way that actually comes kind of full circle with with justice league now is that me and my fellow screen rant editor and and snyder stan uh we're popular there are dozens of us um (laughs) 
Stephen Colbert, we we realized that like so much of the conversation around Batman v Superman was uh, ruined ahead of time and kind of became like the well was poisoned and, and the questions that we thought the movie asked and the, the questions that the movie kind of prompted. Uh, if you didn't just want to hate it or, or dismiss it, never even got talked about, ne- never really got analyzed or, or discussed. And we thought the only way we can actually talk about every single thing in this movie that we want to and we can't write articles about every single one of them because uh, the momentum for the Snyder Cut isn't there, uh, is to just go through it minute by minute. And we've yet to hit a minute that we that we don't want to talk for at least like 10 or 15 minutes about, and some of them have gone way longer. So in a way, we were ahead of uh, the stuff that's happening with the release of Zack Snyder's Justice League just because we really wanted to know what he was getting at and, and what was important to this story that he was telling and now a whole bunch of people get to see that we were right. Uh, <laughs> There's going to be a lot of that on this podcast. I mean, if you don't want to hear that, you should probably <laughs> click off now. There's going to be a lot of the we were right and uh, yes, this is what we've been waiting for type deals. But um, no, uh, in all seriousness, yeah, this isn't a unique film release for a lot of reasons. There's a lot to discuss. Uh, we have an article up on comicbook.com now that says why the industry can't pretend this is a normal film release. Uh, And there is a lot to discuss in that regard, but let's keep it simple first. We obviously know how me and Dice feel about this, so no mysteries there. Let's hear about the kind of the people we don't know about. Janelle, Matt. Matt, I love because, Matt, you're like the one kind of example of a person I would say is kind of really good in this because you've kept it real the whole way. You've, You've been clear. You've said, you know, Zap Snyder, not my cup of tea, but I respect that people like him, which is like, you know, the fair, great opinion to have. And you're consistent with that. Like you haven't bandwagoned, you haven't changed, you haven't you're you are a monolith. <laughs> Much to my Twitter like, chagrin. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, you're a monolith. So just tell me, I'm interested to hear what did you think of Zack Snyder's Justice League? Um, I am still uh and I actually rewatched the uh epilogue this morning (laughs) just to have it like fresh or whatever um i'm a little conflicted because my uh, my initial thought after the first hour was oh my god why do i have to sit through this for another three hours (laughs) i was very like this is the same damn movie just long-winded even more and oh my god this is so self-indulgent that was my reaction after the first hour my reaction after the fourth was you know i really like that movie (laughs) and like it's it's weird because like and there's still things that bother me to no end about just this like premise i mean i've been clear right i i don't love that bvs was let's hoard four of the best dc stories ever and shove them into one movie i i never liked that plan i always thought that was not the way to go uh it wasn't earned for me um so but that was the movie. So going from that point, I can't just harp on, I didn't like that because obviously Justice League picks up from that. So I'm not going to hold that against it, right? It has to continue a storyline. So working with that, I thought this is clearly a a better movie. I mean, it, it just makes more sense. It's the things fall into place a lot. Like Cyborg was robbed. I will say that. Cyborg is fantastic as me now granted when we go back to listen to stuff i said about the original justice league cyborg and flash were like my two favorite parts of that justice League, and i feel like that's important for people coming into this the things you liked about justice league 
are probably going to be the things you still like about this. You're just getting more of it. I loved Cyborg. Uh, I felt like we didn't get enough of his story. And when they explore that here and like showing like his all the back and forth with his dad, uh, you know, the the like accident with his mom, like all that stuff that they show um, at the ATM scene, like all that extra stuff is worthwhile. And I enjoyed that we actually got to see that. Um, the same with Flash. I thought like they explored really interesting stuff with him uh, as far as his abilities and his camaraderie with the team. I am a Batfleck person for life. I liked all of Batfleck stuff in this. Um, my my issues though are always just like a, a scene going up a mountain doesn't need to take that long. <laughs> <laughs> I know it's picturesque. It is visually stunning. The music is amazing. The score is whatever. Let's rein it in. Sometimes editors and producers are there for a reason. Let's check some things. This didn't need to be four hours. There's a really great movie, two and a half, three hours in this thing. <laughs> There's a great movie. Here, it's a little bloated and long-winded for me. But the stuff I really liked, I really liked. Um, you know, I, I actually thought the Superman stuff was, again, the way they handled it. It's not incredibly different. The same beats are still here. You know, like they got to revise Superman with the mother box, like da 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 But all the dark side stuff, the Dasad stuff was really well done. I like how they planted all those things in here. One of the scenes that benefited from this most was actually the scene when we see Earth's defenders defend Earth the first time. That scene works so much better here. Like it actually had room to breathe and you actually got to see like Zeus and like all these things. That was cool. I, I liked, and the Green Lantern, shout out to the Green Lantern who got Yay. totally robbed and was on there. He was a jobber, <laughs> complete jobber. Got like his hand cut off. I was like, really? That's what you're going to give me? You're going to no, give me that? Dark side. That's what happens to Green oh, Lantern. Oh, geez, man. Couldn't even put up a fight. But, uh, you know, that was, was interesting. Some of the other things, and we'll get into all this later, so I don't want to take up too much time. I want to get to Janelle. Um, but again, it was like the things that I didn't like about the first Justice League and just his overall vision are still there and they're still prevalent and they didn't necessarily win me over. Um, but, you know, we'll talk about restoring the Snyderverse later on. But I really liked this movie. I came out with like, yeah, that was that was pretty cool. That, that was a pretty cool movie. Um, I actually thought about watching sections again. I actually watched the epilogue again. And I will say that Joker scene, uh, excellent. That was, that was really well done. Um, so yeah, like I came away actually surprised. I went in with a low bar admittedly, but I came away really liking this movie. Um, so that, that's me. I'm probably more positive than you thought I would be. Yeah, I'm, I'm, yeah. On, I'm on an emotional roller coaster right now. I'm just yeah. going through a lot of things. I have responses to things you said. Yeah, yeah. But I, I mean, you just took me on an emotional roller coaster. I'll get into a lot of things. Um, and there's some there's some questions I want to highlight, but Janelle, let's get your thoughts first. Oh, gosh. Okay. I'll try not to keep it too long. Sorry. I, um, I feel like I I am the op not opposite, but I'm in a different boat because um, I literally watched the original one time in the theater, and then I never even thought about it again because I didn't want to. It just didn't move me. It's not that I hated it. It just didn't inspire me to want to watch it again. Not like my Avengers movies and a lot of the MCU stuff, um, because I am kind of a, I'm a baby when it comes to the comic book reading and the whole, like the entire comic book universe, because I was more focused on The Walking Dead and TV shows and stuff like that. So it was so long ago, I truly cannot even really remember it. 
Um, and that is that speaks for itself. This film <laughs> completely had me jumping out of my seat, screaming. I was so excited. Um, I felt the same energy I felt watching Endgame. Seriously, like this is how much I loved it. I was holding my breath during action scenes. Like I, I could not thank God. I couldn't quite remember all of the storyline. Like obviously some things were very familiar, but for me, only having watched this original movie one time, I felt like this was brand new. And I, the excitement, the uh, anticipation of what was going to happen kept hitting over and over and over again. Um, Barry Allen is my favorite. The Flash, like it was a huge standout for me. I can't believe that. I am opposite of Matt in this regard. I hated Ben Affleck as Batman when they announced him. I remember going, I'm not even going to watch it because I was so <laughs> mad. Like I just was not about it at all. And even in, in the, his prior, you know, appearances, I wasn't really feeling him. And in this, like, I, I get it. I specifically remember that he was trying to be funny. Like Batman was trying to have like funny moments in the original one. And I just could not stomach those moments. And in this one, he's Batman. Like he's Batman trying to be this guy who's uniting these people for the greater good. Like Superman's death really impacted him and he's not lighthearted about it. Like it's, this is his mission. Um, Obviously, I love that they kept the humor of Flash, but it wasn't annoying. It wasn't embarrassing or trying too hard. It was quirky little moments, which I think is obviously more than Zack Snyder even ever likes at all. And I respect that he still put those like humorous moments in there with the Flash. And I just, I loved it. Um, and just in the first, I tweeted this, the first five minutes of this cut was better than the entire original film for me. Like it hit me so hard seeing Diana just going bananas um, in, in her, you know, first scenes was I was, I was screaming. I was literally like, that's my wonder woman. Like now I'm about this because even in, you know, 1984, I didn't feel connected to her character. I didn't really care. Um, and that is the one thing that I will always love about this new film or Snyder Cut is I cared about every character on a deep level for their personal reasons that were laid out. And I understand that it's, a, it's much more time, which is, you know, a gift that we get to understand these characters more. But by golly, I needed that because if you're not going to give me solo films to lead up to this film that unites them all, like you got to give me some kind of storyline, uh, some kind of backstory and information on these characters so that I care. And that's what I, that's the biggest thing about it is that I truly, truly cared about every single character. And I, I love seeing their stories play out. All right. Thanks. Um, I'm going to go ahead and say, Rich, let's take a quick break now that we got everybody's pressure, <laughs> and then we're going to come back and break down some of the finer points. We're going to address a lot of what you guys are talking about. Dark side and Earth, the length of this, what side, uh, Snyder's choices and if it's self-indulgent. We're even going to talk about how Jordan and the Greenlanders, we're going to get into all of that, so stay tuned when we come back. Knowing how to speak and understand a new language can be an invaluable tool when traveling, meeting new friends, or just even to master a new skill. 
But it's not always simple when you're bogged down by textbooks and structure classes. That's why so many people trust Rosetta Stone. Rosetta Stone is the most trusted language learning program available on desktop or as an app. It truly immerses you in the language you want to learn, like Spanish, French, Italian, Chinese, and more. You won't just be studying English translations. The Rosetta Stone intuitive process helps you pick up a language naturally, first with words, then phrases, then sentences. Don't put off learning that language. There's no better time than right now to get started. For a very limited time, listeners can get Rosetta Stone's lifetime membership for 50% off. Visit rosettastone.com rs10. That's 50% off unlimited access to 25 language courses for the rest of your life. Redeem your 50% off at rosettastone.com rs10 today. All right, we are back. Guys, this is your last chance. If you have not seen Zack Snyder's Justice League, we are about to just tear through this thing. I mean, we're going to be going into full spoilers and details, moments, all that stuff. So if you haven't seen the movie yet, this is your last chance to get out. Oh, my bad. I've been dishing them out like right from the get go. Oh, no, no, that was cool. You guys were dishing them out. I'm just giving people one last warning (laughs) since we came back from an ad. Some people may have hopped on. Like, we're about to just go in like scene by scene and talk about specific points. So this is going to get real specific. All right, here we go. All right, so the first thing I want to talk about is, of course, the length. So people have said this thing about length, and it's been something that's kind of issued about Zack Snyder movies in general, about them being too long. Um, four hours is a long time, yes, but like, there, I feel like there are some caveats. First of all, like, Infinity War and Endgame are three hours, right? So in terms of what we're willing to sit through with comic book movies, everybody's going through this. Oh, I don't like my movies to be in an hour and a half or two hours. Yeah, that's BS because some people could do that and you'll sit there for the three hours and you don't complain. Okay. So let's get that off the table. So we're really down to talking about an hour, right? An hour extra. So this is a movie that as Janelle said, like we're not getting solo films for these people. And then they come together. We need a movie that explains why these six people come together. Well, that extra hour kind of helps fill that because what we saw in this cut is it's much better. It was a much better experience and it made more sense in the deeper themes when you see each of these people's lives and their worlds and where they're at and like, you know, what's going on in full and the things they cut out of the original cut cyborg and flash i mean make a huge difference when you really flesh it out especially cyborg which yeah it is crazy that they cut and i understand so much of now what ray fisher was saying and and has been trying to argue about this and about the deeper meanings of this and i would love to talk to that guy about that um because Zack snyder made a big choice to center this movie around that character and you know the context of his story and how unique that was inclusively and everything else and it makes a huge difference when you see it in this movie. Mm-hmm. So the time was worth it. And also, as one of our uh, commenters pro- pointed out, uh, Chris Bloom, Blom, I'm sorry, Chris Blom pointed out, this is a new age. Like, he kind of said the, the quiet part out loud here. Like, this is a new dawn of a new era. Like, we just lived through 2020. I get that people are keep trying to want to pretend and revert back. Like, we're going back to the same entertainment paradigms. But that's done, bro. Like, it's all done. Okay, welcome to 2021. Like we're somewhere new. Stuff happened last year. Things changed. Like it's never going to be the same. This project was not a fit. I I agree with the people who say this project was never a fit for the time it was supposed to be released in in 2017. Agreed. Um, There was no it it was an impossible thing. Snyder made a, a big movie that told a story 
Uh, well, we could get down to edits and specific things, and I'll get to that in a minute. But he's got um, like a five-hour assembly cut. Yeah, <laughs> and it's like, like, like and, and he just kind of was like, "Here it is." Like, and the studio didn't know what to do with that, and nobody knew what to do with that. If we had seen that in the theaters, we wouldn't have not have known what to do with that. So, I guess that's important. Yeah, that's an important context. Right? Like, yeah. It didn't fit in there, but now things have changed, right? Like, and kudos to the people of the new leaderships at Warner Brothers, the digital people they brought in that understand this, that were like, yeah, bro, no, it, we can keep people here for four hours on our stream serving on our streaming service, like guaranteed. Yeah. We're going to roll that because that's where we're headed. And like, that's where we're going, where everybody has now gotten used dice, me and dice and other screen ramp people. We were at the middle of this binge versus not binge fight back a decade ago. Right. Yeah. You remember all these fights. It got heated. And for better or worse, that's the paradigm we in. People know how to sit down and consume streaming in large blocks and even like that. And last year really made that popular, that we needed long forms of content because all we had to do was sit at home and like that's all we had. So, But like, like you said, though, that wasn't the case. No, in, in 2017. No, but like people, my, my issue, though, is when people try to apply today's standards to then. No, no, I'm not someone saying. credit for like you had a job to do like your job was to make a two and a half hour, three hour movie and all these other directors seem to do so you're no different. So why do you have a five hour <laughs> assembly cut? If you knew you had to get it down to it. So like, I don't necessarily want to give kudos to someone making a bloated project. And then like, now we get to see the full thing. Yeah. But that wasn't the case back then <laughs> like i don't want re, like i don't like revisionist history so i don't well, want okay. that to happen well let's just be also oh, okay that's a fair point but let's be careful because you also have to remember how time shakes out right so warner brothers said you know zach made man of steel and they're like okay we're all in like we're gonna give you the money we're gonna give you the resources we know what the vision is you're making originally it was supposed to be justice league one justice league two like yeah this was what it originally was this is what he signed up for. This is what the cast signed up for. He was supposed to be involved in these other projects like Wonder Woman, like Aquaman. These are what these people signed up for. Warner Brothers tried to pull an about face when Batman v Superman came out and the backlash hit because they first they saw that movie. They didn't support it and have confidence in it. And they cut that three hour movie down into the mess of hack. Nolan, they tried to make a Nolan movie out of it with something that jumped around and skipped a bit to bit to bit and did that whole thing <laughs> that crashed and burned. And then they lost all confidence in this vision. And that's when things started getting really messy. So he was already rolling into making this with the studio support behind him when things kind of about faced and then changed. And that's where things get like really shady and really messy. So it's kind of a murky question of where the filmmaker's job is and what the studio said originally and invested in, and then what changed along the way. Agreed. Which was the Marvel problem. I mean, Marvel Studios, like, let's not be naive. Marvel Studios went through this too, because we lived through phase one was a mess. They got big filmmakers like Joe Johnston and Kenneth Branagh, who had their own egos and, and styles and everything. And it was a mess to rein all that in. Yeah. That's why they went back and they were like, okay, who are these TV directors? Like the Russo brothers, people like that? <laughs> yeah. Okay, now they can direct some Marvel movies, right? Like Alan Taylor, like all these people. So it, it was a process. So, I, I mean, I agree with you. We can't do what, I, what, what you were saying is a bad thing, but I just want to be careful about like what the history Agreed. was there. But um, it's here now, so we can digest it in, in four-hour blocks. 
And arguably, I think this movie is going to be a test of can movies themselves now change? Because movies used to be like big epics. That That's, I mean, we, Easter's coming up. How many times have I watched a three hour freaking Ten Commandments, which is like five hours on TV? Like, you know what I mean? Um, you know, Charlton Heston and slamming the things. By the time he finally slammed those tablets, I was like, thank God, so I can go to sleep. Um, but uh, that's, the, that's the weird thing that sticks out to me is that those are epics. Like there was a term for these kind of movies. They're epics, like old Hollywood epics. They are longer than a normal movie. They are three hours like Cleopatra, Gone with the Wind, like movies that are made to be longer. When it comes to the case of Zack Snyder, you almost imagine him going into the Justice League meeting and thinking, OK, guys, I did Watchmen for you. Then I released my three-hour cut, and everybody said that that was head and shoulders above, and we have people calling this like a masterpiece. Uh, I did Batman v Superman, and people were confused. People had mixed reviews, negative, about the plot specifically. Then I come up with the Ultimate Edition, and everyone says, well, this is a lot better, and this is really good. You'd think he would walk into... The fact that he walked into Justice League and said, this is Justice League, like... If if any movie that I'm going to make can earn the three hours that like, you know, three hours plus of an end game, this is the movie with with the people that I've got in it. The fact that they said it has to be two now just communicates that it was a total it was a setup to failure, but also makes me really it, it speaks to the issues, I think, at Warner Brothers that did not know the best way to get it across. And like you were saying, Janelle, watching the theatrical cut. You're kind of you're kind of sitting there watching it and thinking, wow, you guys didn't really know what this movie was about. Right. Like because that is all of the stuff that now we've seen the Snyder Cut. That's all the stuff they took out. Like all the stuff they took out is the stuff that, hey, say what you want about the artistic choices. But when you have a like minute long scene of Icelandic women singing on the beach, I know that the director put this here for a reason. You know, it right. isn't a case. It's OK. All right. Clearly, you're you're hinting at what you're getting at here. Whereas if you cut out all of those things that are to someone who isn't interested in what they're trying to say, then you just end up taking out everything that is trying to say anything. And you end up with a movie that is like, I guess this is just watch two hours of stuff happening. It's just a um, product. Yeah, or for people who don't have backstory. Like, if you haven't read all these comics and you don't know these characters really well, but you want to love them and you want to be invested in the story, you have to have some kind of moment for each of them. And that's where I just, I'm so glad that they got their moments. I I do want to be careful, though, because there is, there is nuance. You can have both. You cannot cut the director's vision and personality and get rid of things that hamper that and serve no real overall purpose. There Which is a balance. One of you could use a little bit more. Well, one of you uh, said well, the slow motion thing. And ever since you said that before I watched it, I think it was you, Kofi. You were like, there's a lot of slow motion shots. Oh, no, it was JK. JK it was And now I'm like, when I was watching it, I'm like, oh, there's another one. Oh, there's another one. Oh, there's, no, I there's, wouldn't I mean, have noticed. there's a lot of that. But I want to talk about that, too, yeah. because I think Matt used the word self-indulgent. And I think yeah. normally that's bad. But this is what I kind of was hinting out in this article about not pretending the industry can't pretend that this is a normal release. A normal movie release is one where, yes, the storyteller's job is to communicate the story to the mass audience possible, right? This isn't that. This is a filmmaker getting to take his victory lap when the studio comes back is like, all right, we were wrong. Go ahead and make your thing. Make it. We want it long form because we're trying to get this streaming money. Do what you want. Here's another 30 mil. 
Like, yeah, hell yeah. If I'm that dude, like, yeah, you're going to see a self, a little bit of self-indulgence in my piece too, because why not? Who, who knows if I'm ever going to get to make another movie again or do this ever again. It's already been a crazy enough ride. Like I wasn't mad. I think some of those flourishes were normally like the someone, there was a scene in this that mirrors exactly almost a scene in Watchmen. It's when Lois comes out of the coffee shop and the way he shoots that tracking down the street with a truck coming by, dropping off the daily planet paper. It's almost like, exactly like Watchmen. And I just remember that kind of sequence of Watchmen and the music's playing was pop music too. Um, same as in this scene, you know, our gods, we thought our gods would outlive us. Um, and I was just in Watchmen. It pissed me off so much. I was like, dude, I know this truck is going. Somebody's dropping off a paper. Like, let's go. I want to get to like Rorschach stuff. But in this, it just made me laugh because I was like, yeah, it doesn't serve any purpose other than Zack Snyder loves these shots. He loves the music. And this is his film and he gets to do it. And, and like, you and I think fans will appreciate it, which yeah. I totally get. But if you are not one of that club, then it serves no purpose. I do not care. I, know, <laughs> I get, get it. To tell a, tell, like, this get to is the point. For you. That's my point. I know. I'm so I'm saying I'm not faulting yeah. Snyder fans. For loving those flourishes. What I am saying is I don't like, and I've already seen it in the comments and I've seen it in other places, this thing of like, well, you don't appreciate great storytelling. No, I appreciate somewhat direct storytelling and you well, can see point across, but there's room for both. It, you yeah. shouldn't condemn one of the other. I, well, I'm I not, can, you know what I mean? I, I do agree and I don't agree because I think there is a big discussion in here about what's happened to film and especially since comic books have gotten involved with film. Comic books had gotten involved with film and involved it brew in it brought in a lot of people who love comic books and comic book stuff, mm -hmm. but it didn't necessarily bring in more people who were film fans. And yeah. cinema is an no. art form at its core, which is the kind of uh, you know the voyeurism of looking at moving pictures. Like that's the heart of cinema. So long extended shots, things these are not crimes. I know I know Nolan kind of made everybody nuts with these like we gotta jump every five seconds to a new thing, but like that's not cinema. And some of these shots that Zach and I understand if I was constructing some of the shots he pulls off in this movie, yeah, I'm going full slow-mo. Like I'm going full slow-mo with that flash just tipping a sword back to Wonder Woman all day because that shot is freaking gorgeous. And the thing about Snyder's movies is they stand so far, so far, they have been standing the test of time. And it's been interesting to see people go back and begin to appreciate it more because they go back to like Man of Steel. They're going back to Watchmen and they're going like, man, like 10, 11 years later, like this is a pretty good looking film. Like I enjoy this more. I appreciate yeah. it more like now, um, especially Man of Steel that people have gone back to and things. So I get it now, but I think sometimes movies do have to stand like, it's harder for me to watch a Nolan movie. And I don't say I don't because I know the story uh, now and I know all the hooks. And when I begin to look at it, there's not so much imagery that stands out. You've already said, like, even as a mild fan, you've probably gone back and look at scenes you liked in this. Right, Matt? Like you thought were like, that's, really well, good. that's one of the things I've loved about Snyder movies before, yeah. like just outside of his DC stuff is that they're stunning. I've, I'm one of the like five people that like Sucker Punch. Okay, that movie's gorgeous. <laughs> that movie's gorgeous. Watchmen is beautiful. Like there are 300 is like great. Like his movies are visually stunning. Um, again, it's it's a difference of liking how things are put together from a from a storytelling perspective and a take on characters as well. It's just an initial premise. 
um, that we tend to disagree. But his, as far as his movies and how they look, yeah, Man of Steel will ta- will stand the test of time as a visual movie simply because it is it was stunning. Watchmen was stunning back in the day. It's stunning now. Um, and this will be no different. Like I said, those shots are absolutely beautiful. Watching Batman on a horse or whatever, like on the mountain, is it's stunning. Like there's moments where like I I get it. I understand from a I'm taking my victory lap, I get to do this shot. Why the hell not? Kudos to you. Whether I enjoy it or get any immense pleasure out of that, okay, whatever. It's to, to each his own. I don't. Um, you know, so and but I also agree with your point. Cinema and comics are different, but you know, I've seen people relate to like Endgame and some other things. Like I think that's bloated too. Like there's, <laughs> like there's movies that just because it's it's leans one way or the other doesn't mean that there aren't issues with that. I, I have some of the same issues I have with Snyder Cut or with Zack Snyder's Justice League as I have with Endgame, and aside from Infinity War, which I still feel like is my favorite of those big superhero epics. Um, but that's just me. I, well, and you said there there is a middle ground here. I feel like the middle ground is Batman v Superman, like the the ultimate edition. Where obviously, <laughs> I have a horse in this race, I guess, uh, in terms of that movie specifically. But that is a movie where, when that ultimate edition came out, everyone kind of said, "I don't like how did you how do you even cut anything out of out of this because this is all plot related, um, the stuff that is more." Uh, has an artistic flourish to it. It is not on the same level as Justice League, where this is here purely for the the artistic ambition of, of what's going on here. In Batman v Superman, most of that stuff was literally like the stuff that they made him cut out to get down to that length was Agreed. plot relevant. Like was yeah. the the story is just bigger. So it's it's even odder that after that came out and they said, well, actually, so if we give him a window of like two and a half to three hours for Justice League. And we could probably get away with marketing this thing as three hours. Uh, but to, to say, um, I, I think that the thing that you're getting at there too is like, and to, to what you were saying, Kofi, is that um, I think that people are, it's, it's like, it's a little upsetting to see how some people talk about the movie in terms of like, we're no longer asking why is this in slow motion? Like, because people just don't have to ask that question ever about movies, ever. Even posing that to someone where they said, like, uh, you know, and then they have the slow motion shot of, like, the uh, Lois going to the memorial. And nobody stops and says, like, why why would you choose to make that in slow motion? Like, what is the thinking here that's trying to be communicated? And people just say, I guess it's a style choice. And then absolutely stop the discussion completely. Where, for a lot of the time... uh, it's a case of like it's in slow motion here because of something because I want this moment to feel longer than it is. Like we can we get that kind of explicitly in the opening of Justice League, where a moment that passed in seconds is slowed down to show Batman's version of it, to show Wonder Woman's version of it, to show like the full Lois Lane's the full gravity yeah. of what was happening. It's a common and it's a common theme in the film. It's the yeah. stoppage. It's how time stops. And moves so that we can perceive these different things, especially with these godlike beings doing battle, like because uh, it shows us several times that to actually stop and see what Diana's doing, I mean, you have to slow it down because when she's moving full speed, it just looks like, you know, things like that. Yeah, yeah. Uh, I'm sorry, I totally cut you off. Go ahead. What were you saying? No, I mean it. It goes to the where what 
we've kind of been seeing where, uh, and Matt, like I take your point, like it's not a people who say you don't appreciate it is you can also just not like that. Like you can just say, I don't, that doesn't connect with me. Like I don't, uh, right. what he's going after. I get what he's going after, but I don't, that is not what, you know, sets off the tuning fork, you know, in my soul as a, as a film, <laughs> a, a cinema fan, That's you can great... still talk about that and, and have <sighs> directors that you like or don't. The thing that I think became very odd with this movie specifically is that there's uh, sentiments that people share where it is like, I don't like this filmmaker. I don't like the stories he tells. I don't like the, the, the way that he tells them. I don't really care what he's trying to say. Uh, I don't want to hear it, but not only is my, and Matt, that's to a degree infinitely more than anything Matt is putting forward. Um, but not only is my opinion <laughs> on this one that I feel needs sharing, but I feel is also uh, like valid. valid. Like, yeah, I don't get why I yeah. don't have opinions about movies that I hate. <laughs> yes, or like don't care this for. is the big, and this is why I wrote that article with the industry because there's so much rank hypocrisy like happening right now. And you set me off. I said I wasn't going to do this, but now you set me <laughs> off. But, uh, there are a lot of people coming to this pretending like, oh, I'm just looking at the work of art. Bullshit. Like you went out and ran your mouth in a public forum for years on end. You posted about Snyder. You posted about his movies. You posted about the Snyder cut. You posted telling the fans, don't shut up. It's not happening. It'll never happen. This is going to, you know, you're never going to get this. And it's not going to matter even if it's released. Like it's not going to change anything. It's the same movie, blah, 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 blah. You ran your mouth in a public forum. So many of you. And you want to live in this post-truth era bullcrap where nobody can remember what happened two, three years ago and what you put out on the internet. Well, sorry, I'm not one of those people. I read what you said then, and I read all your reviews now, every single one of you. I went through them. I know who you are. I'm not going to mention names. I'm not that guy. Uh, you know me. I'm not a rat, but uh, Agent Kuyan. But anyway, um, yeah, <laughs> I'm sorry. <laughs> anyway, um, yeah, a lot of people ran their mouths and said a lot. And now because this thing is on the hype train and they said it would just be the niche thing just for the fans and this has all changed. Now a lot of people want to come back and they want to go to the premieres and they want to pretend and they just want to bury those old tweets and just pretend some of them even had the gall to look Snyder right in the face over an interview camera and be like, hi, like, you know, and that's just the industry we're in. That's Hollywood, baby. But like. Yeah, there's some rank hypocrisy going on in this because you can't come to a movie and say you're going to be an objective, you know, onlooker when you've already said what Dice said. You've put it out there that you don't like this guy, his movies, his style, anything about it. So all you're coming to say is, yeah, this is more of what I don't like and and not in a way that's just objective. Like, hey, if it's for you, great. There are some reviewers who did that. And I respect those people who said, look, I've already put it out there. I don't like this guy. But hey, if this is for you, fans, good. Congratulations. Like other people are trying to like really tear this down. Like it's not anything worthwhile still because they've already put that opinion out there and now have to kind of just back that up. Or some of the people have tried to downplay and be like, yeah, I've seen a few be like, yeah, I think Joss did the best he could though, because they supported that one. Like, you know, mm. man, miss me, please. I, I think that, um, to, to put a perfect bow on this, I will, I will steal an anecdote from my, from my co-host and colleague, uh, Stephen Colbert, and he spoke to someone who was close, who is very close collaborator of Zach, and he said that 
it's it's a the quote by Schopenhauer, which is uh, truth. All great truths go through three stages. First, they are ridiculed. Uh, second, they are violently opposed. And third and finally, they are taken as self-evident. And he said at the time um, that was going to be Justice League. And Stephen said that's why they couldn't let him make it. The conversation that we are having now, like Kofi, you'll know this personally, where people are saying, well, look, obviously this is doing something other than Marvel was trying to do. Obviously, this is just a different genre of, of movie. And obviously, this is a treatment of superheroes as something different. This is all stuff that we were screaming at the top of our lungs back when BVS was, was coming out and they were talking about it. And it was ears simply would not hear it. It, it was an impossible thing. And then Batman v Superman came out and it was violently opposed. Check. Like that was people who were uh, spewing vitriol at a movie with more passion simultaneously, like snarky disdain or contempt. Um, and that was the thing is we were looking at it and saying, we're not even talking about the movie. Like we're not even talking about what is in the actual runtime. We're talking about the idea of this. And now the idea of this is like the one thing that everyone can agree on is that he was trying to do something different. And instead of a, a buildup of individual movies that would then be that you would have to do uh, so that when you get an Avengers scene of Captain America and Iron Man uh, and Thor all in one scene, everyone goes, ah, I can't believe that they're all here with DC. Hey, you can just put Superman, Batman or Wonder Woman in a scene together and everyone will go, ah, they finally did it. I already know these characters. I already feel like I know these characters. And then we can go off and go make their own movies. I mean, this is like. I, I'm not, this is not a smart thing I'm saying. Like, this is how stories are told. You, you tell a story with a cast of characters, and then the ones that people really latch onto are the ones that usually get spinoffs or absolutely horrible prequel movies because everyone says, I want more of those people than was in this group. And that is, if this had come out, this would have been before Aquaman. So people would have seen that scene with Willem Dafoe and been like, I could not be more primed for this story the way that this yeah. is played out. This got me hyped for an Aquaman movie that I'm never getting. Yep. But if I want to see Pitbull sing Africa, I know where to go. <laughs> yeah, I'm, not, like I'm not touching a, that one. I feel like that's a good transition because a lot of people in the chat are like, what is the future? Like, what can we expect from this? Is there going to be a chance that we'll get something? Yeah. Uh yeah, <laughs> I mean, yeah. If they I try not to get too hopeful because you, I'm actually really invested in this. That dump trunk of money is always there. You know, <laughs> if things are popular, people want more popular things. Um, I think they're, <clears throat> I'm sorry. <clears throat> I think there's a new leadership at Warner Brothers. And if you've been tracking this and we have to write about this stuff, unfortunately, but like as the executives have changed, what they've done is they've brought in people who came from digital backgrounds. They brought in people who made like Hulu, like what it is today and things like that. People who are thinking in the digital future. They've tested this thing out with Zack Snyder's Justice League. So will they start thinking about, you know, new avenues to do this in? If Zack Snyder's making stuff that's not fit for a movie screen because people don't want to sit in a theater, is there another way to do this in an IMAX special release and then put it out on streaming like they're trying now this year with HBO Max? All of these things are in flux. They are thinking in content strategy 3D now, finally, which is mm -hmm. the good part. Um, yeah, there are no, there are no real yeah. like limits to this. 
I want to be real. I want to be a realist and like, I want to be a realist, but Warner media spent $70 million finishing the Snyder cut. So I think it was Zach said recently, you know, talking about future sequels. Well, what is more likely that they would ask me to make another movie or that they would spend $70 million because Twitter wanted this movie finished that they didn't want to do and are now doing it. And now it is at like 90, 90% on Rotten Tomatoes. And it is a movie that the entire world can't, the entire world not only can't stop talking about, but even people who hate it feel obligated to talk about. Like <laughs> people are saying, I don't care about this movie, but I obviously have to see it and I have to share my thoughts on it. Mm -hmm. um, and that's just not, that's not a normal thing for, for films. And if you compare that to what is going on in elsewhere in DC, which is almost nothing or weird projects with asterisks, um, the idea of them saying, you have this movie coming out, which is Zach. Oh, here's my period film on the Amazons, which is going to have uh, the same people that were cheering during Wonder Woman cheering in the theater with the uh, straight out of 300 uh, Amazon show him your fear an instant rallying cry for the entire group. Um, I'm also going to do uh, show Ben Affleck's Batman uh, with Joker and then end the movie on the actual setup that would have led into his movie with Deathstroke coming for him. Uh, I'm going to do yes. all of this stuff. And in two months, hey, I'm going to have Army of the Dead coming out on Netflix. Guess what? There's no more movies. Everyone's going to be talking about that, too. Um, at this point, Warner Brothers is going to say, why don't we just, if we already spent 70 getting this, if we spend 100 and we can keep this rolling, what what is the alternative? The alternative is they do nothing, which is a, which is a really weak alternative. But to what you're saying, Janelle, I don't know how they don't then. And no, I don't know how that's not obvious. That Batman project, if Batman's a cash cow, they've said the multiverse thing. They've primed people. You can run the Pattinson and the Affleck. You already have Affleck in the Flash. You got Keaton back. There can be Batman everywhere, and you can be making Batman money on all fronts. People want to see this Batman and Joker continue. They want to see this Deathstroke versus Batman thing. Um, totally. People are now more primed for the Flash and to tie in this Flash to what Snyder did probably um, more so than anything else. Yeah, and Green Lantern. Let's talk about some things because people have said Green Lantern. Uh, yeah, we're all disappointed that Green Lantern didn't show up because that was one of our favorite fan theories. We got Martian Manhunter. We all would have liked to see uh, Hal Jordan show up. But the Green Lanterns aren't getting shorted. They are getting an entire HBO Max series uh, coming up. So it'll be interesting to see how that is shaped and now re maybe reshaped and influenced by ties to this because that's an anthology. You can slot something that's Snyderverse-y right in there with all those other stories. So that's coming down the pike. Um, Dark side and the anti-life equation was another big one. A lot of people commented on my homeboy conquers a hundred thousand worlds. Who remembers after that? Right. And who remembers the one where you, you know, specific location where you got your butt kicked. It was ancient earth. I don't even know if they knew to call it earth back then. So, you know, they might've been still been like Pangea. We did it. Like, you know, <laughs> so <laughs> that's a little history and geography lesson for you. Um, wow. but, um, yeah, so that's just, I had, I was been writing down some of these things. Uh, yeah. But yeah, no, seriously, the future is literally multiverse wide open. Uh, yeah, we're going to have a TV show tied into the Pattinson Batman stuff. We're going to have a TV show tied into the new Suicide Squad movie. There's still plenty of room for any of these things to be just like what Marvel's doing. Steal their idea. You don't even have to make regular TV shows. They're event series now, right? Well, it's not you even know, their you idea. Get, 
Yeah, DC was on that gold mine way before, <laughs> way yeah, before you're right, Marvel. You're right. Yeah, fair enough. But um, yeah, you just get you get Leto and you get Batman, or you get Leto and you get Affleck and you get Manganiello, and you just you knock out six to eight episodes of a of a Gotham City Batman story with Joker and Deathstroke and all that stuff. People are going to be automatically right now if you just announce that and you get in there and you shoot it in like two, you know, three months, you know, just knock this thing out. People will be crazy for that right now. Like, do you remember a conversation where there was an argument based on if people could get, if fans could get the multiverse concept, yes, and the Elseworlds concept, and I got yelled at. I got yelled at so much for that, like saying, like, "No, they'll get it." I think that was Jim who was yelling at you. If I remember, yeah, I was like, "Oh yeah," I was like, "No, they'll get." It, it was when Joker came out. And, yeah. and no one was smart enough to process that. Oh, yeah, this thing exists over here and like everything else is. No, no, no. It'll break everybody's minds. And now here we are <laughs> talking about, oh, yeah, we can do that. It was always absurd at the beginning. Yes, it's fine. People can understand that. Also, I look as someone who does not come from a thing of like, I am not a let's put everything back in Snyder's hands person. That's not me. Uh, never has been. Um, I love some of these things for like maybe i i mean i like the idea of it, if it's still existing for people who want it to exist um maybe either if it's on hbo max and you do a, a string of things like that or you do major films whatever i'm cool i don't necessarily i don't want the timeline because to be the main one because i actually like some of the stuff that's come after i like shazam i like that different direction i like aquaman and personally i prefer James Wan's Aquaman over this stuff. I'm, it's just always that way. Um, but I but I still want it to be a thing. Uh, and I think it can exist. The DC's, my, my, my thing about DC has always been embrace what makes you different. Legacy makes you different because you were on Legacy way before Marvel ever was in the comics. And multiverse was always, that's why we've had multiple crises. Like that, that's why crises, right? Like that's a that's a thing, embrace it run with it you can it makes you completely different and you can do whatever you want there's even an else world's world now in the comics you know what i mean like embrace that go bonkers with it and you can do that so yes i'm i am cool with that being a part of the tapestry yeah. i don't necessarily want that to be the there main one there doesn't have to be a main one exactly if we're talking multiverse we don't have to have a main one it's yeah. just pick your poison right exactly like nobody's is better than the other you like snyder stuff we're gonna have a snyder verse for you you like this other stuff we want to call it dceu whatever they want to call it you know whatever seeing this movie and getting that dark side does not make me want to see what ava DeVernay does with new gods any less right like, at all yeah which is going to have its own dark side granny goodness mm -hmm. to sod in that whole story again steppenwolf probably and we'll get a third Steppenwolf, you know, Steppenwolf's for everybody. Um, but uh, yeah, like that doesn't make me want to see it any less. And now I want to see the Flash even more to see what they do to open the door because they've already even just established it. Snyder helped establish it in this movie. Steppenwolf literally uh, looks at the, at the screen with the side and says, yeah, once we get that anti-life equation, we can control all life in the multiverse, bro. It's, it's, it's more, and he just name drops it right there. We're already in play. Like, yeah. There's already and Dark Dark Side can be uh just like he is in the comics now, he can be a big bad for all of them if we want to, you know? Like there's just there's a lot of ways to play with this. It is kind of like no hold barred. And so there is room for the Snyderverse. And and as long as you're just realistic, let's not go through the same problems again, right? Like know who this director is, know what he kind of makes, and know where you might be able to position it a little better and how to use it a little better. 
if you're going to do it and yeah. commit to his vision of things. I think that was always the thing that really, really bummed me out was that nobody talked about the fact that Snyder was the person introducing all of these characters, but he was introducing them into his story and then just like pushing them off for other directors to, to do with what they wanted. You know, Patty, he was not stepping all over Patty Jenkins's uh, plan for the movie. He sent Damon Carroll, his stunt guy for the first movie. And the stunts are one of the parts that stand out from 1984 of being not quite the same. Um, and that was what people were going to really respond to with James Wan. It was like, Oh, I'm going to introduce the Aquaman armor, but uh, that should actually be something that the director who makes his movie does. And the same with the flash suit where Every single director and person that talks about Zack Snyder has only nice things to say about him as a collaborator. So that is what you want from from a person who is they say the Kevin Feige role, but that's different because he it's there's a tone that they're going for with Marvel, where with DC, it seems like like you're saying, embrace the difference. A Wonder Woman movie should feel different. Um, but at the same time now. Having seen those scenes uh, and realizing how long it's been since Zack Snyder made 300, if Warner Brothers said uh, Patty Jenkins is making Wonder Woman 3 and then also Zack Snyder is going to do an HBO Max series that's about the other Amazons, I would be like, count me in for both. I don't I don't have to choose. I want both of them. You can probably make them. He made 300 in a warehouse like with green screens. Like, yes, absolutely do that. Um, I think I also will will point out, uh, because I also saw in the chat that people are talking about the plot hole uh, with the mother boxes, and I will say this is the most Kofi explanation ever. This is Steven's reply, which is, uh, you ever roll into a place with some buddies only get only to get in a fight and get your arm half chopped off, and they grab you and haul ass out of there, and you drop your phone and the battery dies, and by the time you realize you dropped it, you don't even know where to start looking? Yes, yes, I have. There you that go. See, you, I mean, I believe that. We don't have to go back to the Project X stuff. But you were probably looking at Darkseid being like, yeah, 100%. You would not remember where those were. That could be Earth. Dude, if I was conquering, like, countless worlds across the universe, like, yeah, the one where I almost got my butt whipped, I mean, I'd remember it, but I'd be not necessarily, like, on a chart, be like, where were we again? Like, yeah. And there's also a weird, weird thing where, like, I know mother boxes are not that rare, so so that wouldn't be... A thing in in the no, comics? No, I mean, yeah, those are not the only. Just in, just in case it's not clear for some reason in the film, those are not the only mother boxes. The fact that Wonder Woman says like this is just their terraforming process. They use these computers, they sync them up, they turn a world into their world, and they keep going. Like right, so these are they're out there, and yeah, that all gets. I mean, superhero movie MacGuffins are always stupid. Okay, yeah, like I think all the I can big thing you, to they're the always thing to take from that scene. <laughs> Loki that was, was after like, one cube. This was three. That's the difference between <laughs> this and Avengers. One cube and three. Okay. And like, man, bad it's, it's for the, everybody if they get them. That is right? another case of uh, the Marvel formula would say, and it's what they did with the Joss Whedon version, which is if we have Darkseid come in and he gets his ass handed to him, then no one is ever going to be afraid of him. So let's we have to have Steppenwolf do it. Where I'm watching that movie and see that happen to him, and you get probably if this was in a theater, the entire theater's head would have exploded seeing Ares just almost cut Darkseid in half. But now you have I don't know anything about Darkseid except he must want everyone dead for for this thing that happened to him. That's it. Motivation done. 
I don't need to know why. It's the tale of the defiance. Oh, di- damn. They made a whole, like, ta- they give a title to this thing. He's going to come with everything he has just to annihilate them out of pride. And you got that across by, like, three scenes and he's not into them. But I, then he forgot the, the, where it was. <laughs> forgot? Forgot? Or right? Isn't he... that the theory? Like, we no, just got it from the jet. I'm they confused. Didn't. They got out of there. They teleport across the universe using boom tubes. He didn't know where it was. He had been searching for it. And Steppenwolf just happened so to be He didn't there. forget yeah. the event. No. He, he forgot no. He didn't where, know it where it was. Yeah. Okay. You could also That's say what, he okay. didn't forget anything he just said yeah no i, I don't know where that uh that place where i rolled into and all those guys kicked my ass that would be all right we're gonna get out of here and pretty soon but i want to go around and i want to hear what you guys liked as your favorite moment in like a favorite or just a standout moment for you in the film and something you maybe didn't think was as strong let's start with uh you matt oh damn <laughs> okay, well, I'll, no, a lot. fair, fair I enough. I'll start since I put everybody yes. on the block. I will okay. start. I was like, um, oh, man, there are two things I I want to say are my favorites uh, that were my favorite moments. One's a small thing. One was just, I mean, it really just got me uh, in the chest. Was paying off the whole arc of the Man of Steel father conflict when Superman has to fly again, and you hear the voiceovers from both his fathers, from Russell Crowe and Kevin Costner, and especially the Kevin Costner part. Because that was a payoff a lot of people needed to hear. Because people had a problem with him being at that point in Man of Steel where he said, I'm not ready for you to step out. Like, I'm scared. Like, I don't want you to do that. And even letting himself die and not having him reveal himself as Superman. But him hearing this, like, this is the moment where that Superman, the hopeful Superman kind of arises, right? Zack Snyder always said he needed this incomplete Superman needed to die, quote unquote, and then be reborn and as the kind of more hopeful version of himself and hearing his father's voice kind of tell him like, now's the time. Finally, like now you fly. That got me in the chest a little bit. Um, the other one, of course, and I've been all over Twitter, so it's no, no surprises. The, you got to break the rule. You got to do it now, Barry. And that whole sequence of him kind of when the mother box explodes, pulling the uh, Richard Donner Superman act and kind of reversing time after the disaster to kind of come back to that exact point. And it's so, awesome how they set that up with a superman reverse scene where they give you that little hint that he's actually misses the mark but he can reverse time just slightly so the mother box is at the right point where he hits it to kind of bring superman back and then that larger sequence which is just so freaking gorgeous that i've just like looked at it as him and just that how each step is just like the sound effects and everything is like literally barely just kind of like willing time back and just like just through fear, sheer force of flash will and power, just rolling it back to kind of save the day. Um, it's a gorgeous sequence and just uh, made me love the flash. And now I want to see this flash movie for real. So that was, that was mine. Uh, I got it now. Oh, wait, I have to say something negative. Oh uh, yes. Yes. Um, I didn't like the shirt smelling singing scene, not for the reasons that the rest of you did not because I thought it was a weird aside in a movie because I knew in that moment that Snyder might be the only person who understands how girls really feel about Jason Momoa. And I was so jealous and mad that I just wanted to turn it off because wow. nobody's ever going to be smelling my shirts and singing <laughs> after me, after I stripped down and go yeah, swimming. No I tried. Yeah. Oh yeah. my Lord. All right. So I got mine now. All right. So, so I got, so if we're doing two moments, I thought we only had one, but if we're doing two moments for good and then one for bad. Uh, so there's, there's actually two moments within this one, but it's both times. My, one of my favorite parts about the original and it was just far not enough of it was I love Jeremy Irons as Alfred. Like that's, it's like one of my favorite, 
I just adore him as Alfred. Um, so we one getting to see more of that with him and Affleck and that back and forth. But there's two scenes, and it's both scenes where you're kind of seeing this transformation of Affleck's Bruce Wayne, really. Not even just Batman, but it's Bruce Wayne. And those two parts of where he's like, well, what if it doesn't happen? I forget how the exact quote from on the first exchange. But the second one is when he's getting on the ship and he's like backing out he doesn't have his cowl on and he's like well what if like what if he doesn't show because they're talking about superman showing up but he's like having faith right he's like he keeps talking about faith and you see like smiles for the first time right like in those two exchanges one you get to see the relationship he has with alfred but two it's just this like arc for him and showing like more of this hope seeping in and like there's that i love that's one of the things i love about Affleck's Batman and his Bruce Wayne, which we actually got to see a lot more of. So I, I adore that. Uh, second one would be uh, Cyborg scene um, after Silas dies. And it's when he re like, it's when he uh, puts back together the tape recorder and he like assembles it and he listens to the second part of the tape. And it's that whole like little montage. And that just like, again, as, as being the heart of this movie, Cyborg for me clearly is. And just seeing that kind of come full circle, especially like once he re like realizes like what Silas did of like, you know, helping the, like all that stuff. Right. That it's just a really interesting thing. And I just thought it was really well done. It, it, it hit in the feels. So that was, I, I absolutely adore that moment. Also, I will say for negative uh, me, it's, it's the Aquaman stuff. It just sticks out like a sore thumb. The, we got to talk in bubbles. I never understood oh, that. Oh, so I love that part. To me. That's so stupid. I, that. I, I, I don't like that at all. People talking water is stupid. This was less stupid. He's Aquaman. We're already suspending disbelief. Get, like, no, get that realism crap out of here. Like, it's, these are superheroes. They have larger than life abilities. They can talk underwater and breathe. They had their it's own language. Atlanteans. They had it's a language. language. It was a click Every time, language. Literally, Mara's being Bubbled choked. for talking. Mara's being choked. And she goes, oh, I got to create a bubble. Because we can't we can't have exposition here. We'll create a bubble. That's so ridiculous. Anyway, that whole stuff uh, did not did not jive with me. I and I just don't look. I like certain aspects of the attitude that Momoa brings to Aquaman. Obviously, and and Snyder is a big part of instilling those aspects and those traits. I don't necessarily love how Snyder handles kind of his characterization. It, it's just it's not. There's a little brightness that I like that Juan brings to that as opposed to Snyder. Again, subjective. But those just those every time those sequences came, I was instantly out of movie. And you know how big of an Aquaman fan I am. So that like is a bummer for me. So that would be the negative thing I would say. Janelle. Okay. So <laughs> you guys have already like touched on so many things that I really loved. So it's hard for me to really <laughs> I guess I'm gonna go with like small moments that just kind of spoke to me. So I watched, I've watched it twice now. And the first time I watched it through, um, I did not realize the moment with Lois at the end uh, where she's actually holding a baby basket and Batman says, congratulations, which I guess means she's pregnant. <laughs> like I didn't realize that until my second watch through, it was a moment that was just really lost for me because I was just so caught up in everything else. I was also going, did I miss the Joker scene? Like, did that happen yet? That's literally what I, I was like, Oh my God, did I look down at my phone and miss Joker? That's the whole time. Um, 
So the moments with Lois, including some of her beginning shots, obviously I don't think she, or she was as big of a character in this movie, but uh, her despair and her uh, kind of depression, it really got to me. Like I, I really felt emotional watching her performance in this one. Um, and then also something that really stood out to me was the relationship between Cyborg and Flash. Um, I really felt this like camaraderie and this almost like brotherly vibe, especially by the end of the film. So I really, really liked the two of them and their scenes together, which I don't recall ever feeling that in the original one. Um, and that's as an add on to what Kopi said, the flash at the end, come on, like him restoring the literal, like, muscles and flesh and blood of the character. I mean, it was so good. But um, my negatives would be the women singing in that one scene with Aquaman. Like, I just didn't... That was my one thing where I was like, okay, I don't know why. I don't. I feel uncomfortable watching this. Like, I just don't want to see this. And then uh, my only other criticism, you guys, you know what I'm going to say. More Jared Leto Joker. <laughs> I knew that was I mean, coming. Yeah, we all want that. We, I mean, I him and that scene, Batman... Uh, I, I think that is my favorite Batman Joker scene so far, even more yeah. so than the Ledger Bale interview scene. Um, wow. I just, it's, first of all, I just, they both did a, such a good job and they weren't in the same place. They were never together. So they're just talking to nothing, each of them. And each of them gives such a strong performance. And the thing, and I love that it's just like a verbal kind of contest between them to talk. It's just trash talking and that Batman wins, which is the great part of that scene with him just like, cause Jared Leto's Joker gets unnerved. He's like sitting there shaking and he wants to like kill him so bad. And then he's just like, you know, you almost, you almost got me. And like that, that was just, that was good stuff, man. So yeah, we all want more of that. Uh, and dice bring us home top. And you're going to have to give a, a, a dislike. You're going to have to. Yeah. You know what? I'll start with the dislike uh, to get that out of the way. It was watching the final scene with Martian Manhunter and knowing that Ben Affleck was acting what he thought would be a scene opposite Green Lantern, and that that was <laughs> what didn't what didn't happen, uh, was a bit disappointing. But um, but but I mean, hey, kudos to for them making that work. It but, was green. Um, he was green. Yeah, it was during the day, not night. But um, but yeah, for the the good parts, I think I can um, I can say. If I can say the music, specifically the needle drops, I was not emotionally prepared to hear Nick Cave's voice uh, in this movie. For anyone who doesn't know, he sings the Lois Memorial song and the Aquaman song, who also lost his son when he was 16. Uh, I was not emotionally prepared to hear his voice, and that kind of set me on a unique trajectory through the movie. Um that I will say that also includes the Barry and Iris scene, which is just one of the most like obnoxiously perfect things a Flash fan in me could ever love. Um, then professionally, professionally though, realizing that the time between Wonder Woman shattering the doors and that bomb exploding is exactly 60 seconds made me realize that my prospects for the podcast dissecting this movie is going to yield some pretty crazy results. Um, even even at four hours. Even if it's not like the start of a minute to the end of a minute because that got to like tack on a minute and a half on, on either side. Um, that's that's great. Uh, but I think that the 
a movie that I get to rewatch and movie with parts that I really want to rewatch and that I'm already kind of very aware I'm never going to forget is like, uh, it's all good. It's all my favorite part. (laughs) (laughs) All right. There you have it. So that'll be our discussion of Zack Snyder's Justice League. We have so much on the site kind of just helping to explain parts of the movie, uh, telling you some of the DC Comics background, and also just asking some of the big questions surrounding this release and things to think about. So uh, be sure to go to comicbook.com DC. You can always find Andrew Dice's work over at Screen Rant. We want to thank you guys for joining us today for this live discussion of uh, Zack Snyder's Justice League. If you came in late and you want to hear the whole thing, we are. you can come and watch it back on Twitch, Facebook, or YouTube, and we'll put up an article today on comicbook.com where you can watch and or listen to it. Uh, again, we are also on your favorite podcast platforms, Apple Podcasts, Stitcher, Spotify, iHeartRadio, or any smart home device. Just tell it, fire up Comic Book Nation podcast, and it'll get it going for you. We put up regular episodes every Wednesday on podcast platforms, on our video platforms, and comicbook.com. So uh, be back for our regular show on Wednesday as well. Thank you guys for getting up and doing this with me Saturday. Janelle Wheeler. Yay, thank you. Matthew Aguilar. It's fun. And my old buddy, Andrew Dice. Thank you for having me. Oh, I said I was going to tell this story and out my own mother, so I'm going to end on that. Yeah, last time I saw you, uh, we went to the Wonder Woman premiere in L.A. together, and it was an event where they encouraged us to bring our mother. So we were we went to see this movie. It was the first one. Everybody was glowing afterwards. We're riding back in this van, and everybody's like in the van, and they're going on and on, and they're like, oh, my God, Gal Gadot, she's so great. Oh, my God, she's so beautiful, like all this thing. My mother, in what might be like the blackest mom moment I've ever had, just stops in the middle of this van, looks at everybody and goes, she's all right. And the whole van stops like and everybody. And I just like look over. I was like Mike Myers with that Kanye West moment. I was like, like, you know, like, oh, my God. And I was like, ma. And then she was just like, I'm just saying she's all right. And like and I was just like, oh, man. So that was the last time I saw Andrew Dyson. You were really well composed and respectful for that. So thank you, sir. Uh, I appreciate that. (laughs) <laughs> All right. That'll do it for Comic Book Nation. This has been our Zack Snyder Justice League Snyder Cut episode. Thank you guys for tuning in. We'll see you next time. Peace. Bye, Peace. guys.